for God's word tonight. Say, yeah. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much that tonight the bondage of anger is going to be broken in this house. God, I thank you that there is going to be relief through the power of your Holy Spirit because of what you have done for us on the cross of Calvary. God, we thank you for the life that you have prepared for us. Lord, I thank you for your word. I pray for your anointing in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Two of the seven deadly sins are envy and wrath. Also, we, our terminology is anger. Um, tonight, I've come to tell you that envy and wrath will cause you to do things you never thought you would do and make you become someone you never wanted to be. If you allow the envy, what envy means, in other words, is you want what someone else has. There is something that someone else has that you don't, and something inside of you desires it more than anything else. That is what the root of envy, the def definition of the term. And if we allow envy to fester long enough, we'll get angry at our own life. We'll, we'll look at other people and wish that we were them, and we'll be upset with what we have to deal with every day and it makes us angry if we're honest with ourselves some of us in this room we have stories that are similar to what we saw in this living room many of us in this room unfortunately have stories that are even worse than what we depicted tonight much more graphic the language is much more worse you get cussed out at home some of us in this room have to deal with our parents being so high or drunk that they say things they don't even understand that they're saying. But they take the hardship of life out on you. And it hurts. Tonight, God wants to give you hope. I'm praying for hope to be released in your life. You may have it bad, but God can make a way where there seems to be no way in your life. You may be frustrated with the, the hand that You've been dealt in this life, but I believe that God can give you a supernatural relief, a supernatural satisfaction that everything you can find in Jesus will make your life complete. See, it's so easy to get angry. I, I, I'm, I'm someone who is quick to get angry. Can I have some witnesses in the place? It's hard. Sometimes it's easy to get angry. Man, y'all, some of y'all, you just look at you. There's some people, if you just look at them, they're like, you want to fight? Y'all know these people. You see them at school, you're like. And if I, if I came down, some of y'all, it was funny. Last week, my wife, my beautiful, precious, adorable, Holy Spirit-filled wife, decided to go and sit down next to someone in the audience at real life. And they, one, one person behind her snickered and said, hey, you can't sit here. And you know what my wife did? She got that much closer. Because sometimes the Holy Spirit and the anointing of heaven gets the angry anger to rise up in people that are living in darkness. Sometimes just being around somebody who's been in the presence of God can tick you off because it's like, man, I wish my life were all together like you. It's so easy to get angry. One time, um, Jubilee actually invited me to go with her to her senior prom. It was awesome. I was a college freshman, and we went, 
and had the time of our lives. We danced. We kissed. It was beautiful. I took her to an awesome restaurant. We had an awesome crew of friends. It was romantic. And the dinner and the dance, her focus and her attention was all on me. Oh, it was awesome. I had the most phenomenal time. Jubilee, that dress, girl, that was so unbelievably beautiful. I don't know where you're at, but I love you. I'm so excited. I, I, this, this October will mean 16 years of being in a relationship with that girl. And you better believe that dance was awesome. It was so much fun. And after the prom, it was so cool because we had an after-prom party at her mom's house. It was cool. She had an in-ground pool. It was beautiful. She rented bounce houses, so we had some inflatables. It was lit, y'all. Come on. And so we're hanging out, and, and what changed, though, is the dinner and the dance, all the focus and the attention was on me, right? And then the after-party, Jubilee my now wife decided that her attention, it's her senior prom, so she may never hang out with her senior friends like this ever again. And so something switched and she was like, man, I'm going to have some fun with my friends because this is the last night. We're going to party like this is the last night. And she started having fun. And you better believe this guy, his name was Mondi, Mondarius Maxwell. And, and Jubilee started hanging out and talking and just having fun and giving someone else some attention. And in my heart, I'm like, Mondi, you better step off. You may be 150 pounds bigger than me. But I will take you down because this is my girl. And I got envious and I, I started doing that. Y'all know how it works. You, you start to want something and then you want to project on everyone else that you got a problem, right? So I'm like crossing my arms. I'm like, <sighs> Jubilee. <sighs> Jubilee. Come on, girl, talk to me. getting frustrated, and the next thing, my, my envy for her attention turned to anger, and I'm like, man, I don't have to deal with this anymore. This isn't right, and so my ignorant, stupid, dumb self went and got in my car and left her at her senior prom. I got angry, and it was dumb, and I did something I... I shouldn't have done, and it hurt. But here's the thing. Here's what I want you to recognize from, from this story. If I know that my relationship with Jubilee is strong and secure, I'm going to have fun with her friends, and just being in her presence is going to be good enough. If I realize that our relationship is, is solid, if I recognize that everything's going to be okay, even if I'm not the limelight for the night... I realize that things are going to be okay. If you are living for God and taking advantage of the life that God has called you to, you won't desire anyone else's life. See, the American Horror Story 
is that thousands upon thousands of young people, including many of us in this room tonight, are called to greatness, but we are so angry and we're so frustrated because we want what other people have. The real tragedy is when we pretend to be someone we're not, someone we're never intended to be because we compare ourselves to other people. Some of you are angry about the circumstances of your life tonight. I'm here to tell you that if, if there was not something special about you, the enemy of your soul would not mess with your life like he does. Can you hear that again? If you weren't so special, then the enemy of your soul wouldn't try to continually mess your life up. Maybe, just maybe, I want to help you realize that the hardships, that the struggle, that the pain that you have to feel on a regular basis is evidence that there is a God who purposed you for greatness. There is an evidence because if the enemy of your soul wants to put a stop to the greatness that's inside of you, that means there's something incredible coming in your life. If you will but hold on and not allow the envy, not allow the wrath to take over your life, why else would more than half the room be dealing with dysfunctional messes at home? It makes me angry at the devil because many of us face abusive situations every day, either at home or at school. There's a young person in this room who is struggling with epilepsy. And his classmates are making fun of him. That is wrong. It's a struggle he does not deserve. But I'm here to tell you tonight, young man, that you are called and purposed by God to do great and mighty things. There is an anointing on your life that if you hold on, you may not have what other people have to have health and wholeness in your body, but that healing's coming. And when that healing comes, everybody and their mom's going to worship Jesus because of it. There's something great in your life. Many of us are neglected by people who should deeply love us. It breaks my heart, the, the stories, the horror stories that we have to deal with on a weekly basis. We get torn down and emotionally destroyed when we desperately need to be lifted up and encouraged. That makes us angry. It's natural. It's frustrating. It's just not fair. We look around and compare our situation to the people around us, and it doesn't take long to realize that other people have what we want. Other people receive favoritism, and all we get is rejection. I'm here to tell you tonight that if we don't find a way to deal with the envy and the wrath, it will cause our life to be a true American horror story. In Genesis chapter 4, we find a story of the first conceived children. Adam and Eve have two sons. One's name is Cain, one is Abel. The story tells us that for the longest time, humanity has struggled with the comparison game. Cain was a farmer and Abel was a shepherd. And this is what the story goes like in Genesis chapter 4, verse 3. It says, when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best of the firstborn lambs from his flock. It says the Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This understandably made Cain very angry and he looked dejected. 
I'm here to tell you tonight, young person, that there is always a warning from the Lord before we have an opportunity to react in anger. Even if it's a split-second gut check, God will give us some hope in our situation before we do something to hurt ourselves or hurt the ones around us that we love. The story goes on and God asks the question. This is him interjecting into Cain's life, giving him a chance to get over his envy and his wrath. God says, why are you so angry? He asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out because sin is crouching at the door eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. I'm here to tell you, young person, that if you don't get control of the comparison game, if you don't get control of you desiring something from someone else's life that you don't have in your own life, you will see sin crouched at your door waiting to destroy you story continues in verse 8. It says, then one day Cain suggested to his brother, let's go to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel, killed him, murdered him in cold blood. Afterward, the Lord asked Cain, where is your brother? Where is Abel? Cain says, I don't know. You've got to read the scripture like this, y'all. There's personality. I see him crossing his arms. I don't know. Why are you talking to me, God? Am I my brother's guardian? Am I supposed to be his bookkeeper? Am I his... Why why are you asking me about someone else after he murdered him in cold blood? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are cursed and you're banished from the ground which has swallowed your brother's blood. No longer will the ground lead good crops for you. No matter how hard you work, from now on you will be a homeless wanderer on this earth. It's a dark picture, but if if we don't get control of the anger, no matter what inappropriate circumstance we've faced every single day, no matter how negative your life has felt from this point on, No matter how many times you have been even abused, if you don't get control of the envy and the anger that is deep within you, you'll end up like this. See, God is telling us in his word to be careful because when we get angry, we tend to do things we, we don't normally do. I don't know about you, but when I get angry, I say things I don't mean. I have hurt the person that I love the most, my wife saying something stupid just because I was angry. We tend to say things we wouldn't normally say. We tend to hurt people who mean the most to us. Cain fell into a trap, and we do this all the time too. If we just quickly read over the story, it seems unfair, right? God, they they both gave an offering. What's the deal? Why are you so harsh to Cain? And I was thinking about this. There's, there's people in this room, we've been at real life all the time, just as much as the person next to us, just as much as the person down the road who has everything that they want, just as much as the person that we envy the most. Why is my worship not as good as theirs? And as I was praying and preparing and seeking the face of God for this message tonight, he revealed to me, Something powerful, and it's this. There is a difference between giving God some of your life 
and giving God the best of your life. There's a difference between giving God some of your life and giving God the best of your life. Put that on the screen because it's good enough to read and see it over and over again. I want everyone in this room right now to say with me, some of, some of. Come on, one, two, three. Awesome. Some of the people in this room end up turning envious and angry about what your peers have and what you don't. To help us understand what's happening in this story, like I said, I was praying and, and Cain gave some of his crops in offering. I, I want us to think about it like this. What if I love my wife some of the time? Think about that. What if, what if my wife of 13 years, I just loved her some of the time? What if I only took some of her calls when she tried to communicate with me? What if I only responded to some of her text? It changes things. What, here's, let's take it even further. What if I am only faithful to her some of the time? It changes everything, doesn't it? What if I tell everyone but her some of the things that make me upset about her, that get on my last nerve? I tell everybody but her some of the things that she does to get under my skin. It changes the relationship completely. See, I'm here to tell you tonight that we have too many some of Christians and not enough giving their best to God. Here's the comparison trap that happens all the time. Here's what you do on a weekly basis. Man, I'm doing good spiritually because I'm doing a whole lot better than some of my friends. It's comparison. It's envy. Man, I am so awesome. Me and God are so much tighter than they are. Man, I actually go to church on Sunday. Man, I'm doing so good, so much better than some of them. I only light people up some of the time on Twitter, <laughs> right? I make sure that it's just some of the time, and there's so many scriptures in between that you, you really have a hard time to see when I'm lighting somebody up on social media because it's just some of the time, right? There's way too many some of Christians in the room. I'm, I'm only myself some of the time because I'm scared of who God's made me to be. What kind of relationship do you think we will have with Jesus if we only think some of the Bible applies to us? I only trust some of what God says to me. I pay attention some of the time in service, but then I get frustrated when I don't hear from God. See, we know that because we live in a fallen world dominated and distorted by sin, that difficult situations are going to be thrown at us all the time. And if you want to overcome the envy and anger that is in your life, you cannot be a some-of-the-time Christian. If you're going to get through the hardship that the devil is throwing your way, you've got to give your best to Jesus. See, offense is an event but being offended is a decision. When your mom chews you out at night, that's an event that makes you upset and angry. But living in offense is a decision that you and I have to choose after that. 
See, I'm sure it hurt Cain when God was not satisfied with his sum of faith. There, it, was, it made him angry. It made him upset. There are going to be things in your life that happen all the time to offend you. And Cain let his offense allow him to become so offended, which led to the first murder in history. See, whether or not you stay offended is up to you and to me. When you're only partially committed to God, you will only be partially fulfilled. Can I say that again? If you are only partially committed to Jesus in your relationship with him, you will only partially be fulfilled. If you're only partially fulfilled, you will notice things in others that you want, and it will mess you up emotionally and internally with envy. Pastor Jonathan, stop trying to tell me how to live my life. I get it. It's hard. But if anger rises up within you when God calls you to live right, that is a clear indication that there is something wrong with the condition of your heart. If the first thing that happens when I call you to the carpet and say you've been living a sum of life, it's time to give your best for Jesus. If the first thing that happens in your spirit is, man, I'm so ticked off that he said that. How could he think that of me? If anger is the first thing, that, that is a clear indication that there's something wrong with the condition of your heart. I'm going to invite the band to come. If you let envy and wrath stay long enough, it will harden your heart. Comparison and envy will destroy your view of other people. You will look at people and you'll look at them and you'll say, they get what I want and it is not fair. We should be excited for people when good things happen for them. The scripture says it like this. It says, if we, are, if we really are a family of God, if we really are a body that is one in the blood of Jesus Christ, it says in the scripture that if one part suffers, all of us suffer. But if one of us is elevated and celebrated, then all of us should celebrate and be excited when something good happens to one of our brothers and sisters in Jesus. And so many of us, unfortunately, we've had so many things happen to us and we've allowed the condition of our heart to get hardened so much that when the other person on the other side of the room gets some extra attention from Jesus, gets some extra time, gets some extra blessing, gets some extra favor in their life, we look at them and the next thing we do is, I want that, I am so upset with them right now. And we see people through a lens that is distorted that we shouldn't ever look at people like that. See, comparison and envy will destroy your view of yourself. Man, my, my life is so terrible that I must be disqualified. God must not love me like he loves them. My prayers must not be good enough for God to hear and do something about them. I don't have anything to offer like they have to offer. I want to tell you tonight, listen very clearly to this strong point. I hope this sets someone free tonight in this room. You are not called to be someone else. You are called to be you. You're not called to be someone else. You're called to be you. The only difference between someone else and you is maybe someone else is giving their best and you're not. If you're giving your best to God, he is absolutely pleased with you. That, that levels the playing field. That makes all of us in this room. Let me just tell you a secret. I've been serving the Lord for over 20 years. That's more than most of you have been alive. And so you better believe that, that I've got a relationship 
with my God that you're not going to have after just a couple months of serving him. But here's the thing. God is just as pleased with me as he is with you as long as you are giving your best for him. Come on, y'all. Y'all can praise the Lord for that. I've come to tell somebody that you don't have to be anyone else when you're living your life for Jesus. We've got to let it go when we get angry. And I know that's a hard thing to say, but with, if there is anger in this room right now, you've got to let it go. If you're upset with somebody who's hurt you deeply, you've got to let it go tonight. Be who you were created to be. I want you to stand to your feet right now. Stand to your feet. Leaders, come. I want every heart bowed, every eye closed right now. The, the blood of Jesus is about to transform things right now. The spirit of the living God is about to set some people free from the anger, from the bitterness, from the rage that is trying to overtake them. The spirit of God wants to set you free tonight. I've come to tell you, young person with every heart, every ear attentive, no distraction, no talking right now. If you got anger in your heart, you're mad, you're frustrated about your life and the way your life is unfolding in this place. Jesus described in Matthew chapter 5, he said that the law makes it clear that we are not to murder like Cain did. But Jesus said if you keep anger in your heart, your life will be a living hell. If you hold on to anger, your life is going to be a living hell. But I've come tonight. If you're living in hell, God can set you free in the middle of it. Tonight, you're in this place and you say, I want to give my life to God. I know that I haven't been giving my best. I know that my offering, my sacrifice to Him has just been some of my life. It's just been a small portion. It hasn't been enough. And tonight, I know my relationship with Him is strained. He's communicated to me over and again. He's warned me that if you keep going down this path, it's going to be a path of destruction. Sin is crouched at my door. And you are in this room tonight and you said, I've been angry. But most of all, I'm angry at myself because I've held back from God. And tonight, I want my sins to be forgiven. I want my life to be changed. I want to commit to Him and go all in with Him. I want to say, God, tonight I give you my best. I want you to come right now to this altar. I want you to come right now. We're going to ask God to give you what you desire. We're going to ask God to set you free. You want to stop giving some of your life, but you want to give Him everything. You may be going through it, but God can transform you right in the middle of it. Come on, let's cheer these people on right now. Praise God. Praise God. Don't let this moment pass. He can change you. He can set you free. He can forgive your sin. Don't let this moment pass. Some of your friends are getting saved right now, and they're getting turned into the best people the favorite of God is in this altar right now. So if you want that for your life, get here right now. You want the best that God has for your life, get here right now. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. We're about to sing this song, but there's one last thing. These, these people are giving their whole heart to Jesus right now. But I know that I know that there are men and women in this room that you're going through hell. You love Jesus and you pray every night to be set free from the hell that you're facing. I want you to come. As they begin to sing, 
There is no condemnation. We love you. We know you're going through it, and we want to be a powerful support to you that you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. So you, you're going through some of the things that were depicted tonight. There's anger in your heart. You're seeing things in other people that you desperately desire. There's envy, and it's causing your heart to be hardened, and you want God to soften your heart tonight as they begin to sing. Let's pray. Let's go after God. In the name of Jesus, flood this place right now.